Hi, you're listening to You're Like Really Pretty, a podcast for the girlies and the gays that love pop culture, reality TV, and the occasional juicy political scandal. I'm your host, Kayla. Oh my god, hi everybody, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing per the usual. So sorry about this super late episode. This weekend I had a lot of homework to do. And then Monday was my anniversary with my husband, so I was very much like, yeah, no, I'm going to spend time with him, and uh, you guys will have to wait. But a few people reached out and was like, where's your episode? And that made me feel really, really happy and loved, but genuinely, I totally spaced on it. Like, I don't know how, but I just had so much homework. Um, Finals are here, and so I was turning in stuff, studying the whole shebang. But here is the episode. So thank you so much for your patience and being so nice to me. I had a pretty good week last week. Um, Work was same old, same old. And then Friday, me and my friend Tay went to our favorite like rich people area. It's this island called Bainbridge Island. And it is like, it's very wealthy. Like I'm pretty sure the cheapest house there would be like a 600 foot condo and it would probably be like $625,000. Like it is a very wealthy area, but it's also a very like, um, how do you say liberal? Not, not maybe progressive would not be it. It's probably more like neoliberals that live there, but, um, it is, you know, more progressive than say, the southern part of the county that we live in and um that can come with its own kind of things so if you're a black or brown person you'll know what I'm talking about there are certain kinds of white people who they think that they mean well but they're so riddled with white guilt that they overcompensate and then just make it so much more uncomfortable. And they're just like so concerned with you recognizing that they're not one of those white people that you're just like, yeah, but like, I feel like you are. You just like, you know, act like you're woke or whatever. And you have a a quality sticker on your car. So it, it very much can be that in certain more liberal places, uh, especially when you're in the Pacific Northwest. However, thankfully, we did not get any of that. Um, The most we got was people telling us we're beautiful. And something about when Tay and I are together, people really love to tell us how beautiful we are. (laughs) They just like, they love it. They see us, especially middle-aged women, like there's something about us hanging out having fun, laughing, joking around that just like itches something for middle-aged women. They just get so excited about Tay and I. Um, So whenever we're together, I'm like, oh my God, all these compliments I'm getting. It's because you're here. Uh, And, you know, we did look cute. I, I had like a little spring action situation going on. And Tay, of course, looked beautiful. She could wear a potato sack and look absolutely stunning. So... We had fun at our dinner. Our server was like so sweet and just it was exceptional service. We went to this place called Doc's Grill on Bainbridge Island. Food was great. The drinks were pretty. I'm a sucker for a pretty looking something and they were really good. Um, And I had mac and cheese and it was very, very yummy. And I asked, it was like more of a seafood place. And I was like, can I get it without the seafood? Because you guys know the pickiest eater alive. Most places will say no, because they like pre-mix it, but docs, they were like, yeah, totally. And I was like, okay, I love you guys. And uh, yeah, so dinner was super, super yummy. And then we went over to the Bay Bridge, um, like art museum. Tay, of course, like found this really cool, like market um, art situation that was going on 
uh, at the museum. It was for Black History Month. So all the vendors there were Black business owners. When we walked in, like, I was just like, this plate, like, the outside was beautiful. The inside was gorgeous. And we walked in, and then we went a little bit down to, like, where the actual event was happening. And I immediately was like, oh, my God, what's that smell? And I thought that it was, like, for some reason, I don't know why I thought this. I saw there was, like, a girl who was selling, sorry, a girl, a woman Okay, a woman, I'm working on that. A woman who was selling um, plants and Tay is like, she's like super with nature, plant. She loves all that. She's a plant mom. And I was like, oh my God, look, the plants, the plants. And so I just got so excited because she likes plants and they were pretty. I, for some reason, thought it was the plants that were smelling good. And I was like, um, I'm going to have to get one of these plants because this smell is divine. Mind you, I kill every single kind of plant. I've killed and murdered so many plants that it's just like, I don't have a green thumb, sorry. But it smelled so good. And then like I turned, I was like, oh, it's the candles that I'm smelling. So I went over there and the name of the candle is uh, Noari Essentials or Noir Essentials. It's N-O-I-R-E Essentials. That's their handle on Instagram. And then noir or noari essentials.net the candle i got oh my god it's called sweet taboo and it is like musky and beautiful and i love like a super masculine scent in a candle i love all candles but this candle in particular it was scrumptious and as soon as i smelt it i was like yeah i don't need to smell any other ones i'm gonna buy this one I should have smelled everyone. I'm glad I bought the one that I bought. Tay ended up buying this one called Missouri Rose, which part of its taut notes was like cashmere. The smell took me back to fourth grade. Like, have you ever smelt something you're like, this feels like a specific moment in my life? I don't know what in fourth grade, if it was my classroom, if it was my teacher, or a shirt that I was wearing often in fourth grade. I smelt that and I was like, this feels like fourth grade. It is such a like beautiful, comfortable, feminine scent. Just loved it. The plant um, owner there, the name of their business was uh, Nurtured Nodes. Or I'm pretty sure it's it's supposed to be like a play on nudes, I think. But yeah, Nurtured Nodes. Their plants were absolutely beautiful. And then there was this... Um, like a t-shirt. I didn't catch the name of theirs. It was a t-shirt plate or t-shirt company. And then also a woman who was selling these like interesting cups that based on the year that you chose, she put like a bunch of like historical facts on the cup. I don't know. I have enough cups. And then um, a woman who was selling earrings. I got a, I didn't catch the name of her earring company. Whoops. But I got a pair of like really pretty butterfly earrings and then um, probably my favorite was, besides the candle, I'm very excited about the candle, uh, but there was this man who was gorgeous, absolutely stunning. As soon as we walked up, Tay was like, oh my God, you were, your eyes are beautiful. And then I looked up and I was like, let me see what's going on here. And I was taken aback by his beauty. He is like model pretty. And I was like, you are beautiful. He knew he was beautiful too. Okay. He knew it. He knew it. he was, I was texting Tay and she like, I found his Instagram and I sent it to her and I was like, this man's so beautiful. And she was like, yeah. When we told him that he was like, yeah, I know. Just give me the coins. <laughs> Cause he did. He knew he was beautiful. He's like, yeah, you're about the 15th person that's told me today, <laughs> but he owns a uh, CBD business called, I think it's pronounced Zaz Wellness, Z-O-Z Wellness. That's their handle on Instagram and then ZazWellness.com. Uh, I was, he, earlier, like I told you, I'm a sucker for pretty things. The way his like table was set up was just beautiful. And um, I I was like, what's this? Let me look at everything. And then I saw that there was uh, CBD oil for pups. 
and awry, like I told you guys, has had a paw issue. It's getting better, but he is 14 and, oh, I can't talk about it too much. It'll make me cry. But he um, was still kind of stiff and kind of like three paw on it. And I was like, I'll try that. I gave it to him Friday night and I was able to take him on a couple laps on Saturday and a couple laps on Sunday. He's still a little stiff, but there's only so much a product can do. And it, I was just very impressed with it. I was like, wow. And it didn't give them like, um, sometimes like CBD oil, like makes my pups get the shits really bad. (laughs) and I gave it to him and I gave it to Bruiser and they both did fine with their poopies. So I am liking it. And we were talking to them and they own, um, their, so their business, the farm that they own is based here in Washington and it's USDA, uh, organic certified. So I love a regulation. I love it. I like to hear that. I like to hear stuff like that. So um, his business was really cool. And then there was a girl there who like read poetry and she's like, this is my first time reading poetry, like my poems. And she, I was so impressed because like, listen, if I was up there, I'd be stuttering. I mean, I'm stuttering on this right now. Twist in my words. My voice would be shaky. My upper lip would be sweating. She was cool as a cucumber and her poems were really good. Some of them I didn't follow, but one of them did like tug at my heart. Um, and it was just overall a great night. I had like a great glass of Prosecco that just hit. It was so good. I was like, oh, Prosecco, I love you. It was so yummy. Um, and then I just spent the weekend doing homework. So it was a great Friday. It like just hanging out with Tay and doing something that was like supporting our community and nobody was weird. It was just all like good vibes. And I really hope we can like make a habit of because I, of course, was like, I want to do another market thing. And um, there's a ton in the Puget Sound area, like they have in Tacoma, like, once a month, a night market. And then they also I found this other thing where they do on Sundays, um, or not Sundays, but once, once a month on Sundays, the Tacoma night market puts on like a Sunday drag brunch market. And so like drag queens like host and vendors come there and sell their stuff and you can have brunch. I just listen, the community stuff, shop local, shop small, that kind of stuff is just so important for helping people, especially black and brown people who are traditionally underserved in business doing that kind of stuff is really awesome. So I'm so glad that Tay showed me that and we went to that because it was so much fun. And now I want to like try to find more support, smaller businesses and women owned business and all that good stuff. So felt very, very good. So this week's hot topics are, oof, I'll start with one that I thought was really sweet. Um, So speaking of Tay, her husband on Sunday, she sent me a TikTok and it was Dwayne Wade talking about his daughter, Zaya, who's trans. And Tay said that uh, Jeremy was like, this would be a really good topic for you to talk about. And I just thought that was so sweet. It was just really nice to have like my friends just be supportive of me and it just made me feel good. It made me feel all warm and fuzzy. So in honor of Jeremy being sweet and Tay telling me about it, my first topic is going to be about that TikTok video and about Dwayne Wade in general. Um, I feel like what's so incredible about this story is just like the power of love. And while it seems like you know, if you're somebody who's already accepting, you'll be like, yeah, a dad loving their kid for being who they are and accepting, like that seems like it'd be the bare minimum. And you would be correct. That is the bare minimum. However, the bare minimum is not being met by a lot of fathers in this world. So um, what's so special about 
Dwayne Wade, though, is that he's like one of the greatest NBA players of all time. And so he has this platform that is just, you can't buy that kind of platform. And he's a black man with a trans daughter. And I know that his absolute acceptance and love, that does have a net positive effect. And I think that the fact that he's a black man that's in the NBA and has achieved all that he's achieved his love for his daughter, I think that does have the ability to change and it probably already has changed people's minds or at the very least challenged their beliefs. And it, I just think it's really incredible. And I am always going to be a sucker for a man that loves out loud, like, loves their kids out loud, loves their spouses out loud, loves people out loud. I think that that's one of the most beautiful things that you can give the world is to be a loving person and like fearless in that love. So at Bravo, Bravo, and also a really great interview with him where he does touch on Zaya is, um, he was on armchair expert probably a year, year and a half ago. And really just he there's the way he talks about things and how he like one thing he talked about in particular was about how he has like he has a lot of empathy for the people who don't understand why he's so accepting and he's really talking to the black community and he's like I didn't I didn't have the ability to explore anything because his job was to make it into the NBA and get his family into a better position. Whereas he's already made it into the NBA. He's already taking care of his family. Zaya has the luxury of being able to do that in a space that's safe. And he recognizes that he has the tools and the access to understand something like this in a way that a lot of people don't. But where I think it's so critical is like, yes, he does have that. But just because he's a multimillionaire, it doesn't cost anything to love your kids and accept them. Um, so yeah, Dwayne, good job. Good job. It was a, it was a beautiful little TikTok and I just love love. And then of course I got to touch on the biggest hot topic of the week. Selena Gomez, Hailey Bieber. So give you a little primer and I will probably one day do a Selena, Justin-esque kind of episode. I don't know. I'll probably focus more on Selena because how I feel about the situation is, girls, why are we wasting all this energy on Justin Bieber? Um, I can't take it. It honestly, it tires me. Uh, he did cancel his um, world tour, which I think is for the best. And this is like the third time he's had to cancel a tour. And so at some point, you got to wonder why Scooter Braun is like not just like, hey, Justin's not made anymore to do world tours. And it's obviously very detrimental to his mental health. So why do we keep scheduling these world tours? It doesn't make any sense. And if you've ever looked at the touring schedule that they've had Justin Bieber, like there's a reason in 2015 or 2014, 2015, like he was out of control and, you know, obviously abusing substances, substance. Oh my God. Substances. Do I know how to speak? Clearly not. Um, yeah, there was a reason why he was abusing that stuff. And it's because he was a child who was being asked to be on this ridiculous schedule that no human can actually successfully do without killing themselves. And um, yeah, so he shouldn't, he shouldn't, I don't understand why his team keeps trying to make him do a world tour. Just don't do it. Just do a bunch of mini small tours or do a residency. Jesus Christ. I like, 
come on, I could figure this out. I don't know a lick about managing a superstar and I could like solve this issue. Anyway, the big drama with Haley and Selena Gomez is centered around Justin Bieber. So if you don't know, I'll give you a little primer. Selena, Justin dated for a long time. Off and on, Selena ended up getting with The Weeknd, who was with Bella Hadid, off and on too. In like 2018, Selena and The Weeknd were together. By the way, she posted these pictures on Instagram. Back when they were together, she was like rooftop at a New York something and the sun was going down. She looked absolutely stunning. Those pictures are like embedded in my brain. Um, and she ended up leaving the weekend, getting back with Justin. They were seen together for like a month, like at various places. And then, uh, they ended things and pretty abruptly. And then like two months after that, he married Haley Baldwin. So that's like the quick and dirty version of that situation. So Selena, and this is so, (laughs) this is so silly for me to talk about. And I'm aware of that. I'm like, oh my God, you guys, (laughs) like, I love this stuff. Listen, I am not knocking celebrity gossip. I have a whole podcast devoted to all the celebrity things I like. However, this one in particular is like getting out of control and it just is so high school. And you could argue all things in Hollywood and celebrity world are high school, but this one in particular is just, ugh, eef. So Selena posted a TikTok where she was basically saying that Bella Hadid is really beautiful and she wishes she could be as pretty as Bella Hadid you know, her ex-boyfriend's ex-girlfriend. It was harmless. For some reason, a lot of people were like, she's unwell. And I'm like, what? Like it, to me, it read her trying to be like, girl, girl power. Um, but a lot of people were like, she's not okay. And I'm like, what? So then she like a little bit after that posts a TikTok where she's like, oh, I over laminated my eyebrows um, whoops. So that it looks kind of crazy. And then just, I think, I can't even remember what the rest of the TikTok was about. It was like her talking about like what she's going to do for the day or the makeup she's going to wear. I can't, it was so like nothing, but then her crazy eyebrows also was very concerning to people. And I'm like, so she's unwell because she over laminated her eyebrows. I have over plucked before and when I'm using my little touch of beauty tool, do you know that that as seen t- on TV commercial, the little shaver for a woman, it's called like touch of beauty or something. I use that on my face because your girl's hairy. Okay. I got peach fuzz. I got to shave it. So when I miss a little patch and I have a little goat action going on, am I unwell? Are you guys wanting to commit me into, do, do you need to call Cedars 5150 me? Cause I have a little patch. Like, come on, you guys. She just like was making a TikTok. Jesus. So obviously people are like, oh my God, Selena. Well, then the bitches in Calabasas, Kylie and Haley, Kylie gets on, t- uh, not TikTok on Instagram and posts a picture of her eyebrows, which look really good. I got to admit, her eyebrows look really good. Kim OG of the eyebrows. Her eyebrows are my favorite eyebrows. But Kylie's looked pretty good. Um, and she's like, that was an accident, question mark, question mark, with like kind of zoomed up on her eyebrows. And I'm like, bitch, we know what you were saying. We know what you were doing. And then shortly after that, her and um, Haley... Kylie posts a screenshot of them FaceTiming and Haley's like zoomed up on her eyebrow and then Kylie's like taking another picture close to her face with her eyebrows. So it's like we knew what you were doing. We know what you were doing. You knew what you were doing. So don't play stupid. Of course, this sends Selena's fans into a tailspin. There are three fans I'm scared of. 
One, Nicki Minaj's fans. The Barb's, they scare me. Okay. She's married to a sex pest and they defend that. There's not anything they won't defend. They, I, I'm scared of them. I don't ever want to get on their bad side. But like, your girl is married to a sex pest. I'm just saying. Um, and then the beehive, which I'm part of. Okay. I'm not one of those crazy ones that will defend her by giving up my firstborn. No, that's not me. Do I love Beyonce? Yeah. Tonight when I was doing homework and my professor linked a performance she did for World Humanitarian Day for the United Nations in 2012, was I like, yeah, of course, of course my class on international organizations would talk about Beyonce because she has that, that kind of power. Yeah, I was pretty excited about it, but, um, I'm, I'm not one of those fans that goes on Twitter and, you know, annihilates people. I do, however, want to point out that when Kid Rock, um, you know, talked meanly about Beyonce's body, uh, the beehive swarmed his Instagram and to this day, they are still posting bee emojis. Okay. That's the power of the beehive. And then the fans that I'm most scared of is definitely the Selena fans. I think they're called Selenators. I don't know. Keep an eye out for Selena. That's what I say when I talk about Selena, um, you know, cause of that. Oh, oh my God. <gasps> Did I just make a connection that I didn't even mean to? And Beauty and the Beat, which is Justin Bieber's song featuring Nicki Minaj. Oh my God, look what I did there. She says, keep an eye out for Selena, if you don't know what I'm referencing, but I love that song too. So the thing that's so scary about Selena's fans is that they have picked up the tack. <laughs> they have picked up the tactics of Russia. And what I mean by that is you know how Russia started a campaign to erode democracy in the United States and how they got people to actually think that Hillary Clinton was trying to, I don't know, kill kids in the basement of a pizza parlor? You know how Russia was involved with that and how it culminated in when Trump and his goons tried to prevent a peaceful transfer of power on January 6, 2021. You remember how Russia was involved in all of that? Selena Gomez fans have taken the tactics of Russia, and I'm not saying that her fans are anywhere near how evil these Russian state actors and maniacs of Putin are. Obviously, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Selena Gomez's fans do have the capacity to commit cyber warfare on people <laughs> because they have, okay? Any adversary of Selena Gomez, her fans organize a bot attack <laughs> whenever they do. They just do. I've seen it so many times. And I'm pretty sure they learned that from Russia because Russia also <laughs> coordinates bot attacks. Oh my God, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I'm saying this. So they coordinated the bot attack on Haley and they have been relentless all week. Just blowing up her social media, blowing up Kylie's social media. It's just beginning to be too much. Like Haley girl, you secured the bag. Selena, you're immensely talented. You're running your rare beauty empire. Like girls, just like meet up, drink a bottle of wine, eat a piece of bread. And like, let's just move on. Cause Selena was so right. She's like, I'm 30 years old. Like this is too much. And it, it really is. It's time to just like, let's get on, 
get on with it because, and I say that as somebody who's contributing to the problem. Like I was actively liking the compilations of like all of the evidence against each of one of them and all of that stuff. So I say that as somebody who's contributing to it, but like it's just gotten out of control at this point. And then the last little bit thing I want to talk about is um, my favorite girl. Zendaya. She was at the Sega Works on Monday night and her collaboration with La Roach is like truly one of the most beautiful things in the world. Like they just get it. They just know. I don't know what they're cooking. Um, but it is just sometimes when I'm sad, I'll just Google Zendaya La Roach just to look at like how he styled her because they don't miss they don't miss they do not miss I it I go back to the Met Gala when she did that dress that was Cinderella inspired oh so beautiful she looked gorgeous she's a movie star she is like I think she has the capability of being a girl that defines this generation of actors, her Florence Pugh, you know, the don't worry, darling Remember when they were at, I think it was can the whole don't worry, darling drama with the spit and the Olivia Wilde of it all, who that's a woman that receives far too much hate. Um, but she and Julia Gardner, those girls, I do think that they will, I think that they have staying power and I'm excited to watch their careers because they're all just incredible actresses. All right, that's enough yapping. Uh, let me get into this week's topic because I know you're just so excited to hear what I have to say about Lindsay Lohan in 2006. So it starts off with the publication of probably one of the best articles that have ever been written on Lindsay. Um, it's from, it's titled Confessions of a Teenage Movie Queen. Um, it came out in, it started like parts of it were published um, in January of 2006, but it's for the February 2006 Vanity Fair issue. Let me just read you the first two paragraphs of this interview. If you think her dad sounds unpleasant, you should meet the paparazzi. There's the Sam Skulker, a middle-aged Richard Belzer look-alike, only scary. There's the charmer in the Jaguar, who alternates between sweet-talking the 19-year-old actress and telling her she's a bitch. And then there are the lowlifes on wheels, who dodge pedestrians on North Robertson Boulevard as they chronicle her trips to tanning salons and contribute to her car wreck, she says like the one back in October when she told her Mercedes near the Ivy restaurant and cracked her wrist. My first instinct was, get out of this car, they're going to start taking pictures, says Lindsay Lohan, her voice raspy and excited. I ran into this antique store that's called Hideaway House Antiques. I mean, the irony, that is just creepy and weird. The paparazzi ran down and I saw them out the window. I ran into the corner and sat on the old chair and I looked down, there's blood specks all over it. I looked at my assistant. I said, buy this chair. It's not getting sold on eBay. I mean, she is 19 years old. Could you imagine like getting into a car accident? I got into a car accident when I was like 19, 20. And I was so like shaken up and confused and scared. And like, I wasn't even hurt. It just was so jarring for me. And like, I had like a little mini panic attack and I was like completely okay. And the person I hit was okay. Could you imagine like cracking your wrist and then like having to run to hide so they don't get pictures of you and telling your assistant by the chair, I don't want my bloody chair that I sat on to be sold on eBay. That is just like too much for one person to handle. That is just so insane to me. So this article is remarkably candid and it's candid, I think, for a couple of reasons. One, I think that uh, Lindsay is just a candid person, um, but she's also 19. 
in youth, you your mouth runs a lot more. And she, trigger warning, there are two things that are upsetting that is talks a lot about in this episode. Um, the first thing is, again, eating disorders and then also drug use. So she admits to suffering from bulimia and this is, I'm pretty sure because she was filming, um, her music video for confessions of a broken heart. And that was filmed during September of 2005. And she talks about filming that in this interview. So I'm pretty sure it's from September of 2005. And so she talks about how people were scared of how she looked. She saw herself and was scared and people around her basically talking about how she got the intervention from the folks at SNL. Her mom conveniently tries to be very reductive of the entire thing and says like, everybody goes through that. No, not everybody goes through an eating disorder um, and loses a considerable amount of weight in a short time. Uh, that's not something everybody goes through, Dina Lohan. And she just is like, everybody blew it out of proportion. I'm like, oh my God, the, the, she's just so delusional. I just feel so bad that her parents are just both such pieces of shit. But she talks about how she has to be careful about what she does because she has a little sister and she's, you know, she has to think about her choices and how they'll affect her and how they'll influence her. So she also talks about how she's tried drugs and she kind of says in so many words that she's done cocaine, but then she realizes what she says and tries to kind of backtrack it. And, um, her publicist is like kind of spirals about it. And I, I get it. I get why they would like want them not to print that and try to cover that. I mean, she's 19 years old. She's one of the biggest stars at this moment. And like, I mean, whether you like it or not, most of Hollywood is doing cocaine. Like that's, that's just a fact of life there, but they don't want to talk about it. And so she's really candid with that. And you kind of get the picture painted of why there's so much chaos with Lindsay. And it's because like, I mean, you already kind of know that like she had a chaotic young childhood, but she talks about her father and her mother and that her father created this atmosphere of eggshells and unpredictability and he was really violent. And she says that um, after they separated, her parents were in court and her dad kidnapped her out of the courtroom when she was like a, just a child, like four or five years old. I mean, oh my God. And then even after that, Dina took her husband back and that's because abuse is complex and that's a story for a different day. Um, but her dad also was deep in addiction for her childhood. And she says that the first time she discovered his drugs was when she found them in a pack of his cigarettes and he would disappear on drug binges and it just, you know, he was in prison and he was convicted for assault, violations of protection orders, DUIs, like he was in and out of jail her whole life. And so it's not that kind of chaos and the fact that he's an addict. I mean, is it really surprising that she became an addict when you also have that coupled with the kind of fame she had. I mean, I think if this article came out now, there there would have been a lot more empathy for Lindsay. And there has been a lot of empathy for her, but I, I just think there was a lot of venom thrown her way during this time. Article um, is has a like photo spread that goes along with it, which is just absolutely beautiful. It's kind of inspired by like Marilyn Monroe's last um, last photo shoot. And it's definitely like her saying like, 
I'm a maturing Lindsay. I'm, I'm no longer, you know, freaky Friday Lindsay. And it, I think it's a really good article. And if you have the time, you can go read the whole thing. Um, so that comes out and it obviously goes viral because she talks about her bulimia and she talks about drug use, even though they try to pedal back on that. February for her is uh, filled with filming a movie called um, Chapter 27. And it's a movie with Jared Leto. Um, and he plays uh, Mark David Chapman, who was the man who murdered John Lennon. Um, and that movie actually ended up like it was filmed in the beginning of 2006 it didn't come out for like two years because I was like, why don't I know this movie? And it was because like they couldn't find a distributor for this movie and it took two years for them to finally, and then it came out. But yeah, so she, that's another movie she's filming. That's four movies in a year that she has filmed. She also of course is doing a whole bunch of appearances on February 3rd. She does the walking in the heart, runway which is like this runway that all celebrities do where they wear red dresses she walks also with Fergie um she goes a couple days later to a runway show for a magazine called child magazine um her little brother and sister walk in that she's at a gm fashion show um, I definitely think this is where her love affair with Chanel started. She's at uh, a premiere for a movie called Ask the Dust. Um, she goes to the Vanity Fair Oscar party. Uh, so yeah, she's she's doing a whole bunch of that. She looks really good. Um, and she talks about, and to this day, Lindsay still posts pictures of her with Meryl Streep, like her time working with Meryl Streep and Lily Tomlin on a Prairie Home Companion. And then like the press around that was very influential on her. And she really reveres that time. Um, Really, I think this t- 2006 is such a high and low for Lindsay. So they go to a the premiere um, at like the Berlin Film Festival uh, is where they premiere A Prairie Home Companion. And I definitely think that Meryl's influence, listen, for me, if I was around Meryl Streep, I'm sure she'd bring out the best of me. And that's just because that's Meryl Streep. So I definitely think that being around Meryl um, during this little press period did a lot for Lindsay. And that quickly ends um, where I think people are like, okay, she acknowledges that she's this crazy party girl. Um, but, you know, she's a great actress and she's working with Meryl Streep and she's 19 and like she has a crazy dad. I think there was just like a brief moment where people are like, okay, Lindsay, you can do it, girl. Come March 2nd, there are these pictures that show up on MySpace and also on like the online blogs of her with a bong. And of course, it's a bong. So, you know, everybody wants her head on a stake and they're like, Jesus Christ, let's call the Pope because she's obviously unwell. That whatever. Okay. It's a bong. What's more concerning is she just was trying to dodge these cocaine allegations. And in one of these pictures, what very clearly looks like a line of cocaine is in it. So um, March 2nd wasn't too great of a day for her. And uh, things were, were looking like she was that party persona. Yeah, there might be worth something to it. March, they have her... Her team has her work in at all the premieres, you can imagine, all the openings, all the young Hollywood parties, 
the Elton John um, Academy Award screening. There's also a picture on March 31st of her posing with Samantha Ronson um, at the Diesel Presents Young Hollywood Awards Countdown. Say that five times fast. Um, And so, yeah, she's working all of March trying to show like, okay, yeah, 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 you know, I'm crazy and I, I party a lot, but like, look how much I'm working and look how much I'm, you know, I'm able to show up and be this it girl. And she does, she does show up and be that it girl. She, she spends Q1 of 2006 showing up absolutely everywhere and being the it girl that she is. So the beginning of April is a little bit um, tamer. And I think that's because on April 15th, she hosted SNL for the third time. And she really was being like positioned. Like she had all the opportunities that you could possibly have trying to be a successful Hollywood star. Like she had the world watching her. She had a grip on like the teens. And I think that she was successfully transitioning into adult roles. And she was really smart with the roles that she picked. You know, she did indie movies. She did serious. She did drama, like dramedies. Um, And she did like, you know, those ensemble movies as well. So she was being really smart with what she was picking. And she also had the power of like SNL. And whether you like it or not, if you don't like SNL, like tough shit, they still have influence. And this is her third time hosting SNL and she's not even 20 years old. Like that's pretty incredible. Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, they really adored her. And I think Lauren Michaels did too. This performance, she does poke fun at herself about her partying ways. And there's like a skit where she's talking to um, the Easter Bunny and the, and she's like, you need to stop partying and getting in fights with the Tooth Fairy. And so she like has a self-awareness. It doesn't really land... I don't know. I think a lot of people like kind of reference that skit nowadays, but it didn't really land back then. And then there's also a skit where they don't really know, like there's debate where they're eating like chocolate, but she clearly isn't eating it. And so people are like, is she not eating it because that's the joke or is she not eating it because she doesn't eat? But of course she spends the rest of April being absolutely everywhere. She's at a Condé Nast um, event. She's at Prada fashion shows. She's posing at, um, like premieres, the same stuff that I'm always talking about with Lindsay. She's going, going, going. She's everywhere. She's getting her name out there. And I do think it's a combination of her team working her like a freaking dog. But I also think that Lindsay probably, wanted that it girl status I mean who wouldn't you're an actress for a reason like I think she did want to have her name known I just don't think anybody wants to work as hard as she was working because it's just not sustainable on a slightly different note she reportedly in April did have kind of a fling with Brody Jenner which just makes sense, but I feel like Brody was probably like, whoa, you're too much for me. And I think um, a wet paper bag is probably too much for Brody Jenner. So at the end of April, she begins promo for Just My Luck, and Just My Luck was supposed to be this huge shift in her career. So she had filmed it the year prior, but it was finally premiering, and she had filmed these other adult movies in 2005. And it was supposed to be like, hey, I'm an adult. I'm not doing kid movies anymore. I'm playing somebody who has a job. The movie wasn't well received. It made like only $10 million in profit, 
which I say only 10 million. Obviously, that's a lot of money to you and me, but to these studios, it's not. It's a flop. And so she it it didn't hit the way that I think the world thought it was going to, and obviously the way Lindsay thought it was going to. On May 3rd, she goes to St. Paul, Minnesota for the screening um, of A Prairie Home Companion, where she's with Meryl and Lily Tomlin, and just a few days later, the premiere of Just My Luck. So it's like she's having this huge monumental career moment hosting SNL for the third time. She's only 19 years old starring in her own movie. That's premiering being part of this incredible ensemble cast on a very adult movie of a Prairie home companion. And then it's announced also in May that she will be starring in Georgia rural. May is also when the infamous rant by Brandon Davis goes viral. So on like late at night on May 16th, Brandon Davis and Paris Hilton are walking with Paris's publicist, Elliot Mitz, who he is like, did Donald Trump like get his... Was he like the inspo for the orange? I, it's just so like, oh my God. But Brandon Davis, who the worst of the worst when it comes to rich people. So he goes on this rant and he ends up calling Lindsay Lohan a fire crotch. Says a whole bunch of racist stuff about Wilmer Valderrama. Calls Lindsay poor because she's only worth $7 million and that she lives in a motel. She lives in the Chateau Marmont. I mean, like, that's okay. Um, And Paris is laughing through the whole thing. And it's just, like, really disgusting at the time. Like, we all thought it was funny. But it was just, it was just so disgusting that he went on this rant. And it was, like, filled with just, like, just explicitly sexual things and then just racist things and misogynistic things. And it was just so gross. And I can't believe we just like laughed about it back then. But when you rewatch it, you're like, Oh my God, you are like a, an awful human being. But that's a pretty big moment in pop culture history. So if I didn't mention it, would it really be a podcast about pop culture? Her and Paris, their feud begins because Paris was dating this um, shipping heir uh, named Stavos Niarchos. And um, when they broke up, it was rumored that Lindsay started dating Stavros, which really means Lindsay probably hooked up with Stavros after they went to a club. And Paris was like, not happy about that because that obviously is in violation of girl code and she was already mad that um Lindsay you know the previous year was pretty close to Nicole Richie and they were still friendly there's a few pictures of them um in the first half of 2006 and so she is mad that Lindsay is hooking up with her ex-boyfriend which she has all the right in the world to be mad about What she doesn't have the right to is to send this greasy man, Brandon Davis, on a racist, misogynistic, fueled rant and then giggling and cackling while she's on the phone in the background and laughing and egging on everything he says. And then when people are like, hey, that was awful. She's like, I had nothing to do with that. Um, Yeah, so... Lindsay shoots back and says something pretty mean. And she goes, obviously, she has experience making videos, which is a reference into Paris's sex tape. So before production starts on Georgia Rule, she has a pretty team June. Um, she has the premiere of... A Prairie Home Companion, which I personally, and I know I say this about every single Lindsay Lohan look, 
but her outfit at a prairie home companion the release that is the most beautiful i think she has ever looked the spray tan on point the hair color it's back to like a reddish hue which is like signature lindsay um she just looks like a movie star she really does she really like she doesn't look so scary skinny uh like she did the year prior um the makeup, the hair, the face, the clothes, it's all hitting and it's hitting good. And she is a ingenue through and through. She also kind of has like this, like Carl Lagerfeld, like she is with him at a few events in 2006 and she was definitely a muse for him. And so Lindsay is at the top of the world. Like she had the disappointing just by luck um, movie come out, but now she's premiering a movie where she's starring alongside Meryl Streep. And that, that's incredible. Like she's on her way to being the actress that she wants. And now she's about to star in a movie with Jane Fonda. So July is where everything that once was comes crashing down and I she never recovered from this um she just didn't she was given a lot of chances but she never recovered from what happened when that letter was leaked so this is a letter that was hand delivered to her at the Chateau Marmont Um, from the CEO of Morgan Creek Productions at the time, James G. Robinson. I'm going to read the letter. It makes me cringe and just, oh, it just gives me dread. Dear Lindsay, since the commencement of principal photography of Georgia Rule, you have frequently failed to arrive on time to set. Today, you did not show up for work all day. I am now told you don't plan to come to work tomorrow because you're not feeling well. You and your representatives have told us that your various late arrivals and absences from set have been the result of illness. Today, we were told it's heat exhaustion. We are well aware that your ongoing all-night heavy parting is the real reason for your so-called exhaustion. We refuse to accept bogus excuses for your behavior. To date, your actions on George Rule have been discourteous, irresponsible, and unprofessional. You've acted like a spoiled child and in doing so have alienated many of your co-workers and endangered the quality of this picture. Moreover, your actions have resulted in hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage. We will not tolerate these actions any further. If you do not honor your production commitments, including your scheduled call time for tomorrow and any calls thereafter, we will hold you personally accountable. This means that in addition to pursuing full monetary damages, we will take such other action as we deem necessary to preserve the integrity of the Georgia Rural production as well as Morgan Creek's financial interests. I urge you to take this letter seriously and conduct yourself professionally. So with the letter being leaked, that fundamentally changed Lindsay's public perception. Like, you know, I think a lot of people would have been, okay, she's a 19-year-old. She can get her act together. Um... She's just young and having fun. But when that letter leaked, it just like, it changed absolutely everything. She was no longer insurable. And anything she had lined up, because she was set to star in quite a few movies in 2007. And um, they all completely fell through. And then 2006 is the rest of the year is just such a downhill for Lindsay. So she did turn 20 on July 2nd, 2006, and she met at her birthday party, which she had in Malibu. She met um, this man named Harry Morton and she begins dating him. He's from like restaurant royalty. His father was the... um, founder and former owner of Hard Rock Cafe. And then his grandfather founded Morton's, the steakhouse. 
Um, and then uh, he ended up, um, I'm sure you guys know this. It's called the Pink Taco. It's a, uh, a restaurant in L.A. And he's the founder of it. He opened it um, with his dad. And so at the time, Harry was sober and people looked at the relationship as a positive for Lindsay because he lived a sober lifestyle. Tragically, he did end up um, dying from an overdose. And his older sister had died in 2005 from an overdose. So it's really sad. But it at the time, people thought, okay, this is going to be like really good for Lindsay. Like he was a little bit older. He was 25. And like he came from money already. And he was sober and people thought it was going to have a good effect on her. So I'm, I still have the last part of 2006 left to talk about. And I will not be able to get through it in 15 minutes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a part one of 2006 and I'm going to put it out today on Wednesday and then on Friday, I will do an extra episode this week one because I was late putting out this episode and I still have a bunch to talk about for 2006 and I don't want to rush through it because I think that it's important pop culture history it's important to understand my whole point of doing Lindsay Lohan was to understand 2000 Lindsay Lohan and I don't want to rush through it so I'm going to stop right here and I will see you on Friday with part two of 2006 Well, thank you so much for being so patient that I put this out late and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it while you did your makeup, you drank your coffee, you drove to work, and I just had so much fun clucking about celebrities and Lindsay Lohan. Alrighty, bye!